We are in Yavamos Tesvav Amabez 15b1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, again, the Gemara is discussing the big topic of whether or not Beishamai practically follows the opinion of Beis Hillel, or, or do they not practically? Do they do they follow their own position practically? And we had a lot of different proofs. Uh, to uh, to prove one way or the other, um, and we also discussed some cases that are not the same are, are broader than just the Yavamos cases, uh, Sukkah, uh, other cases um, by mikvah. We had a, we had a few cases, four different cases, and so now the Gemara is going to bring you another proof. Try to bring another proof from Abraisa again, but it's going back to our discussion of the Mishnah. So it's going back to the case of Tsaris Erva. So again, just to review that, there's a machlokas, there's a dispute between Bishama and Bishilo. What happens in the following scenario, where you have a person has a brother who passes away without any children, he has two wives, one of them is the live brother's daughter, let's say, and his brother who passed away married his own niece, and the other one is a co-wife, it's a co-wife who's not related, just uh, married the brother. And so the brother passes away, everyone agrees that there's an exemption of Yibam or chalitza, with regards to the relative, if it's your sister-in-law who's also your daughter. The question is, what about the co-wife? Basil says that there's also an exemption, and therefore she can marry somebody else uh, without doing yibam or chalitza. In fact, it's forbidden to do yibam. And Beishab is of the opinion that there is a mitzvah to do yibam or chalitza, and that if you did yibam, so then that would fulfill a mitzvah. According to Beishab, that would be a severe prohibition. But according to Beishab, that would be uh, a mitzvah. So the Gemara says as follows, Tashma, let us bring a proof from the following b'risa. Shalu as Rabbi Yeshua. They asked Rabbi Yeshua, they came to Rabbi Yeshua to ask him, well, how should we follow? Tsaras Abbas Mahu, what is the halacha with regard, what's the law with regards to the Tsaras Abbas, the co-wife, our scenario here, of the co-wife of the daughter. So Amr Lahem, he responds as follows. He says, Machogaz Beishamay Beishelel, this is a dispute between Beishamay and Beishelel. So they said, okay, fine. me. Who do we follow? So Amalami says to them, Why are you putting my head between two great mountains? Between two great people who are fighting. They're having this argument. Between Beishama and Beishelel. And then he, he ends off by saying, Misyarani he says that I'm afraid that they might crush my skull. I'm afraid that I'm going to die. Why? Because this is this is dispute. But it, we're discussing real cases, real cases where, according to Beis Hillel, if they did yibum, the ch- it's forbidden to do yibum. It's a brother-in-law and sister-in-law getting married outside, according to Beis Hillel, outside the context of yibum. The child is a mom's there. He said, if I were to paskin for a particular family and the child's a mom's there, I'm afraid for my life. It could ruin their family. I'm afraid for my life to paskin. But he says, I'll tell you as follows. I will tell you something. I'll testify for you. I'm not going to tell you what the halach is, but I'll testify. I'm I, 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 I know that there are two prominent families. Mishpachos Gedol Shahib Yishalayim that were in Yishalayim. Mishpachos Beis Tzivuyim Ben Achmai, the family of Beis Tzivuyim, coming from Ben Achmai, Mishpachos Ben Beis Kopai, and the family of Beis Kopai, Ben Mekoshesh, from the family of Ben Mekoshesh. And they are Shehem B'nei Tzaros. They are descendants of 
co-wives, they are descendants of uh, of co-wives, and they continue to serve in the base of Migdash. I know that they, they continue to serve in in the base of Migdash. And essentially the case is of the of the people that served in the base of Migdash, what does it mean that they're B'nai Tsaris, the children of co-wives? It was a case where uh, the co-wife went and followed Beis Hillel and married somebody without doing Yibam or Chalitza. And according to Beis Shammai, that is a negative prohibition. And, and he testified and he said, it wasn't the case of the Mamzer, but he testified and he said that uh, there's uh, the descendants, there's nothing, they were able to serve in the base of English. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with them in terms of that. So it, basically, they asked him what the halach is. He doesn't want to respond because he says that it's uh, there's such two great giants that are that are having a dispute over this, and then he's worried for his own life. So just parenthetically, uh, he was able. They just asked him the question, so he didn't want to answer the question, which he's allowed to do. Uh, but there's a, there is a discussion about a scenario where you have judges. They come to court, and the the judges have to rule, and they already accepted them as judges. So the judges already accepted them, agreed to judge. And what happens if it's a scenario? Where they really are concerned of 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 of, of damage of getting hurt, um, are they? Are, do they have the right to excuse themselves from the court case? Does a judge have the right to excuse themselves if they feel like their life is in danger? So that is a happens to be a very interesting discussion. It's not for now, but it is an interesting discussion. Either way, so Rabbi Yeshua said, I can't respond, but I will testify for you that when in a scenario where. They went outside. They married somebody before doing Yibam Rechalitza, which according to Beisel is fine. According to Beishamai, it's a negative prohibition. So then that, that uh, their children continue to serve in the base of Migdash. There's nothing nothing wrong with them, with the children, and they're able to serve in the base of Migdash. That's the end of the Brisa. The Gemara now comments, and they want to prove. I understand that Beishamai maintains their position practically. That's why he was afraid. He was afraid to pass him because, because uh, to say that to say that the child is a mamzer in a scenario where the brother-in-law and sister-in-law get married, uh, because there's another opinion out there. There's Bishama who says that it's prefer- it's a mitzvah to do yibum. But if he said that, but if we say that Bishama practically doesn't have their own position, they don't follow their own position. So what is he afraid of? Everyone's in agreement practically of what to do. So you shouldn't be afraid. Everyone's in agreement. It's not like uh, the family could get so upset with them if everybody's in agreement that the child is a mamzer. So that Gemara wants to prove that must be that Beishamai maintains their own position, and that's why he was afraid. That's why Rabbi Yishu was afraid to paskin, to rule uh, that the child is a mamzer. The Gemara now goes on a, on a slight tangent, and it says as follows, with regards to this story. It says, They ask in Rabbi Yishu, what, what is he so afraid of? Rabbi Yishu himself. We've discussed this a couple of times. What, what makes a child a mamzer? A mamzer is somebody who... Uh, is the child of an illicit relationship, and that child now he cannot uh, he he cannot marry into uh, the Jewish people. There are a few exceptions, but in general, he can't marry into the Jewish people. Um, and what what makes a mamzer? So so far, we've seen two opinions. One opinion says that if it's a, a relationship of a very severe relationship where the punishment is kares, which is what the uh, teres habas is, if it has a punishment of of an early death. It comes from Hashem. It doesn't come from the court system, but it comes from Hashem. That is the the accepted opinion, and that that's what what that that's what makes a mamzer. There is another opinion that we've seen, Rabbi Yekiva, who says that he's even 
more stringent, and he says that even if it's not from a severe negative commandment, even if it's from an ordinary negative commandment, any negative commandment, the child will be a mamzer. That's the second opinion. There is the third opinion, and that third opinion is Rabbi Yeshua. We'll get to it later on in the, in the tractate, in the Masechta. Uh, but Rabbi Yeshua is of the opinion that you only become a mamzer, not even by karis. If it's karis, you don't become a mamzer, only if it's deserving of punishment by the Beisdin, by the court system, you get the, you should be getting the death penalty. Only then is the child a mamzer from such a relationship where um, the punishment would be get the, getting the death penalty by the court system. Then the child of that relationship would be a mamzer. In our case, by the Tsaris Abbas, the co-wife of the relative, so that is not a case of um, that's that's not a case of of a uh, de- death penalty. That's karis. You get karis for that, but it's not death penalty by the court system. So according to Rabbi Shua, the child shouldn't be a mamzer anyways. So what is he so afraid of? We say, Halmar Rabbi Shua, a mamzer l'michayi v'misus beizdin. He only becomes a mamzer if it's from uh, from the court system, death penalty by the court system. So what, what exactly is he so afraid of? Even if he were to rule like Basila and say that you're not allowed a brother-in-law and sister-in-law can't get married, the child is not a mamzer. The child can, can marry whoever they want. According to Rabbi Yeshua, not the way we follow, but according to at least according to Rabbi Yeshua, who's asked the question, he's of the opinion that the child wouldn't be a mamzer because you're only a mamzer. The child's only a mamzer if it's from a relationship which is deserving of death penalty by the court system, which is not our case. So the Gemara explains what was Rabbi Yeshua afraid of. He wasn't afraid that the child was a mamzer, but he was afraid that the child was what we call pagum. mamzer The child was, I guess, tainted. Pagum means tainted. What that means is that. He's disqualified from being a Kohen. What does that mean? It means that uh, there, you could have scenarios where even if the child is allowed to marry, they're not mamzer, they can marry within the Jewish people, uh, but there's certain relationships where, uh, let's say, if it's, uh, they can't marry, they're not, they're not allowed to marry a Kohen as a result of being the child of that relationship, or they're not allowed to partake in truma, which is uh, gifts, produce, which is given to the Kohen, uh, so they're not really, they're not full-fledged kohanim they, because because of that illicit relationship. So they are, they're not mamzerim, but they're tainted and therefore they're disqualified from the kuhuna. So he's saying maybe in this case where the brother-in-law and sister-in-law got married and according to Beis Hillel, it's not yibam, it's not fulfilling the mitzvah of yibam. So the child's not a mamzer. He's not worried about the child being a mamzer, but he's worried that he's going to say that the child, he's a, if according to Beis Hillel, he would be, the child would be Pogom, he would be disqualified from Kuhuna, and then the family would get upset, and that's why he's afraid for his life. Why would it be viewed as Pogom? So the Gemara explains, and this is a bit of a tangent, but the Gemara explains, What's a case? What's another case where the child is Pogom, where the child is disqualified from Kuhuna? The case is where a Kohen Gadol, the, the, um, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, he is not allowed to marry an almana, a widow. He's not allowed to marry other kohanim. Could they're allowed to marry a widow? A regular kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee, uh, but the kohen gadol is also not allowed to marry the the high priest is not allowed to marry a widow. And what if they did? Let's say they got married. A kohen gadol married a widow. That is a prohibition. It's a it's a it's a negative commandment. And the child of that of that relationship. Is not a mamzer, but, it's, but the child is pagum. The child is disqualified from kuhuna. So in that case, the Gemara says as follows. They, they say that if that's true and the child is pagum, is tainted and can't be 
uh, serve as a Kohen um, because, and in that case of the Almana, of the widow, that doesn't apply to all scenarios. The widow is allowed to marry anybody else, any other Jew. Uh, there's only one person that, that the Almana, the widow, can marry, which is the high priest. So then in our case, where it applies to everybody, every scenario of a Tzara Sabas, of a co-wife, of, uh, of, uh, of a relative, in, in, that, in that situation of Ibam, whether you're a Kohen or whether you're a Levi or whether you're Israel, and all for everybody, it would be a, it wouldn't be allowed. So then, certainly in that case, the child would be viewed as pagum. The, the the child would be viewed as tainted, and so that's what he was afraid of that that he would be he would say that the child is is tainted and cannot be involved in the kuhuna in the uh, in the priesthood and being and acting as a Kohen. And so that's what he was afraid of. Not the child being a mamzer, but the child being what we call pagum. Okay, that's, that's the end of that discussion. The Gemara now continues uh, for a few more lines, and it says that I don't understand Rabbi Yeshua in his response. What was Rabbi Yeshua's response? They asked him, what's the halacha about the Tsar Sabas, about the co-wife of a relative? In that scenario where the brother passes away with two wives, one of them is related to the live brother, the other one's not, the other wife isn't. Uh, so he, they asked him about the co-wife and he responds by saying I don't want to answer that but I'll discuss the children so is it about the co-wife or is it about the children what are, what are we talking about that's what the Gemara wants to know they asked him about the co-wife and then he responds about the children so the Gemara explains really they're asking two questions they're asking two questions the first question was what's the law with regards to the co-wife is there a mitzvah of Yibam is there not a mitzvah of Yibam is she allowed to marry somebody Without doing Yibam, is she not allowed to marry somebody else uh, w- w- without doing Yibam? That's question number one. Do we follow Bishama? Do we follow Bishama? Question number two was, <laughs> And if and if you want to say that the, we follow Bishama, who says you're allowed to uh, marry somebody else uh, from without doing Yibam or Chalitza, What is the halacha with regards to the children if you were to follow Bishama? In this scenario, where they marry somebody Without doing even Merchalitza, what would Bishamai say about the children? So the Gemara interjects and says, He says, Who cares? We just said that if you, we just said the second question is saying, assuming you follow Basilel. So we follow Basilel. If we follow Basilel, you're allowed to marry somebody from the outside. You're allowed to marry somebody without doing Yibam or Chalitza. So why should we care about the children according to Basilel? According to Bishamai, excuse me. Why would we? Why do we care about what Beishamai's position is with regards to the children? If we just said that we follow Beishamai, who says that it's perfectly fine for you, for the co-wife, to marry somebody without doing uh, 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 right, to marry somebody else without doing yibum or chalitza. We just said that that's perfectly fine. If that's perfectly fine, so then what are we asking about the children according to Beishamai? Beishamai holds that it's not fine, that it's a negative commandment. But why are we concerned Beishamai's position with regards to the children? If we say that, it's fine because we're assuming that we follow Beis Hillel. So the Gemara wants to know, who cares? Who cares what, what Beis Shammai's position is if practically we, would, we were to follow Beis Hillel? So the Gemara explains. Because we're really, the reason why we want to know it because it's really not for that case because it's true we would follow Beis Hillel. But let's say in that case, that's a case of an ordinary negative commandment. And according to Beis Shammai, that would be a negative commandment if you follow Beis Shammai. Beis Hillel is fine, but according to Beis Shammai, it's an ordinary negative commandment. And if we were to understand what Beishamai's position is, so then that would have relevance for other areas of law. Because if the child from an ordinary negative commandment is, let's say, Pagum, the idea of the tainted, not a mamzer, but is tainted, and therefore he can't, he's not involved, he's disqualified from Kahuna, 
And that will help understand other scenarios which Hillel would agree to. What are those scenarios? It's, let's say, Vlad Machzer Grushaso. This is also a case that we've had in the past. What happens in the following scenario? A couple is married, they get divorced, the wife marries somebody else in the interim, either that husband, that second husband passes away, or, do, uh, or uh, they get divorced, and then she returns back to her first husband. That is a negative commandment. That's an ordinary negative commandment. It's a violation. So the question is, what's the status of, of those children? For those children, they're certainly not mamzerim, because it's, uh, at least the way we pass them, they're not mamzerim, because it's an ordinary negative commandment. But the question is, are they pogum? Are they tainted? Are they not allowed to be part of the kuhuna? Because again, that's also a case of an ordinary negative commandment. So whatever Bishamai would say with regards to the co-wife marrying somebody from the outside, which is an ordinary negative commandment, whatever he would say with regards to the children, so that would have relevance for other areas of law. So even though we don't really, according to this understanding, we don't paskin like Bishamai, it still has relevance with regards to the children, with regards to other areas of law. For example, in other, another ordinary negative violation of where uh, the, the couple were married, she, the wife, they get divorced, the wife marries somebody else, and then comes back to the first husband, which is a negative commandment, what would be the status of the children? They're not mamzerim, but would they be viewed as disqualified from kuhuna? So the Gemara says, Do we apply the kava chomer that we just mentioned before? The logic that Do we say that just like in the case of the widow and the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, we say that the child is pogum, is tainted, and is not is not able to be part of the kuhuna. In that case, the widow can marry anybody else. It's perfectly fine to marry anybody else. It's only the Kohen Gadol that she can't marry. So then certainly, in this case of Machzir Rishasu, let's say, or the case, the case of returning back to your original husband, or the case of marrying someone from the outside, that applies to everybody, whether you're a Kohen, Levi, or Israel. So then certainly the child should be viewed as pogum. That's the way we understood it before. Or do we say that? No, it's a little different. It's a little different. It happens to be it's a little different without getting into, into it into too much detail. When it comes to the case of the almana to the Kohen Gadol, the widow to the, to the high priest, in that case, the widow herself also becomes disqualified, the, the, the wife, who becomes disqualified from, uh, the, from kuhuna. And she's not allowed to eat truma, which is the gift which is given to the Kohen. She's not allowed to marry a Kohen. Um, she also becomes disqualified. So if the mother becomes disqualified, the children could become disqualified. But in the cases that we're discussing, the wife doesn't become disqualified from kuhuna. Uh, the, in the cases of marrying, of, according to Beishamai, marrying somebody from the outside, which is an ordinary negative commandment, or returning back to your original husband after marrying somebody else, those cases, the wife doesn't become disqualified. So it is different. It is a different scenario. So Sigmar wants to know what's the status of the child when it comes to an order, the violation of the parents when the parents violate an ordinary negative commandment. So Amr Luhu, Rabbi Yeshua says to them, this was Rabbi Yeshua's response. Tsaros Ms. Yarani. When it comes to the co-wives, I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to Paschal. When it comes to, to, to Paschal, uh, that, that's something that I'm, I'm afraid to do uh, because I'm afraid for my life. But I can testify for you but when it comes to the children, I can testify and say that I know that there's children of this type of relationship, of an ordinary negative commandment, where they married somebody else, and the children are still serving in the base of Mikdash. And they're, they're allowed to be, they, they could be, uh, they're not disqualified from, be, from being a Kohen. So Yeshua is basically responding back and saying, in terms of that question, uh, they're not tainted. When it's just an ordinary negative commandment, they're not a mamzer, certainly not a mamzer. But they're also not—they're not tainted, and they're allowed to be—they're allowed to be part of 
uh, the 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 involvement in the base of Megdash. And that's his response. So that is a bit of a tangent in terms of the, the proof from the Brisa. Uh, but that ends the uh, the daf for this week. And we will continue on uh, with this discussion next week.